again, I do think it's like we can blame, you know, it's easy for me to blame stuff, but at the, at the bare minimum, I have to sit here and go, okay, I got to get back to the basics. What am I putting mm-hmm. in my heart? God's word. Yeah. I need truth. And then when I'm filled, I'm able to go out and pour out on these platforms in a way that's beneficial for people around me. Between the Grooves is hosted by James Curtis, music director and morning man in the greater Toronto area on Joy Radio. And Aisha Woods, Grammy-nominated singer, songwriter, and musician. Together, they talk with artists and industry insiders to discover our connection between music and faith. You can connect with us on Facebook or Twitter, at Between Grooves. Now, here's James and Aisha. I cannot believe we're already on episode 245. We don't very often, yeah, we don't often, you know, mention the episode number, although it's in the write-up when when you're uh, listening to the podcast anyways. But the interesting thing about what we do is we always have numbered our podcasts from number one all the way up to, as I said, 245. There's some podcasts out there that list their sequential numbering system by seasons. I saw one podcast out there a few weeks back, and they've just started. They've just started, and they're already in season 10. So it's it's quite mm. incredible. <laughs> I can't – how many seasons have we gone through? If you're talking about, you know – Seasons like know. spring, summer, fall, and winter, uh, we're probably in season, I don't know, 30-something. I don't know. But anyways, <laughs> welcome to Between the Grooves. I'm James Curtis, along with Aisha Woods. And we're going to get right into this conversation because this is uh, some deep discussion. Um, you know what? I am really excited about talking with Lydia. Um, so let's get into it. Hey, this is Lydia Lear. Lydia, how are you? I'm great. How's it going? Not bad. You've got James here and you've got Aisha from Florida. Good morning, Lydia. Ooh, how you doing? Good morning. I'm good. You're lucky you're in Florida. It's so cold. <laughs> so, Lydia, there's a few things we can talk about. Uh, first of all, thank you for agreeing to uh, join us on fairly short notice. Um, I find it interesting that I come from a family of four kids and I thought that was a big family. Um, so mm-hmm. we, we can talk about that uh, as far as you're concerned. <laughs> and you're also a big advocate of mental health. And I'm not going to suggest by any means that you're an expert, but I thought we could talk a little bit about that. Do you have anything, Aisha, that you want to throw in? or? Well, sp- specifically mental health. Um, I went on uh, your page, Lydia, and mind you, we were jamming out to your songs this morning. We were out of town for the weekend, so... We had about an hour's drive today, so we're privy to your songs. And um, but I do, I, I want to dive in about mental health as well because it's so important, particularly now in our society. Can mm-hmm. can we maybe start with that, Aisha? Your, your comment about especially now. Mm-hmm. My question is, why now? Like, why is it? Is it is it because of the media? Is it like, are there certain circumstances that cause mental health to be more prominent, like like people dealing with depression, dealing with anxiety right. and stuff like what's what's causing this? I want to know the root cause because I want to make sure I'm right. safe, you know? <laughs> <laughs> right. I Honestly, I think the pandemic had a lot to play in it. Um, folks in isolation for so long, it just had a, a huge part to play in in. uh mental health and folks just going through 
Yeah. You know, depression and I, uh, I was thinking about this past weekend and Lydia, I haven't forgotten about you. Don't worry. (laughs) I was thinking about this past weekend about that specifically, not knowing that we were going to talk a little bit about mental health. And, uh, during the pandemic in the first year of the pandemic, so that would have been 2020. Um, my, I guess my, my dad had just passed away. I'm thinking, um, Mm. nothing to do with, COVID or anything like that. Um, he uh, had been sick for a while. And so my mom, uh, now a widow, and she hasn't seen her family in a long time, like face to face. And everybody's trying to be safe. Everybody's trying to isolate. Everybody's trying to stay home and not go out in public Jeez. whenever they can and stuff. And my mom got to the point where she needed to see somebody. So what she did, she lives about, or at the time, she lived about an hour away, maybe an hour and a half away. She drove on a Saturday morning to our house, brought a lawn chair, and sat outside in our front lawn waiting for, us, waiting for us to wake up. Oh, my gosh. And I, I heard that she was there because I was in the shower or something like that. My wife came in the washroom and said, by the way, your mom's outside <laughs> in a lawn chair on oh, the no. front lawn. And of How course, long was she out there? She was probably out there for a good 45 minutes before we got out there. Oh, and she, she was just right waiting. There. Like, she had to see us. And I'm, and I'm yeah. thinking, like... Mm-hmm. I, I was fortunate, right? I'm married. Yeah. I've got kids. I've, you know, right. our life really didn't change a whole lot because I still went to work every day. My wife still did mm-hmm. what she does. My kids were old enough to, you know, work part-time jobs and in school and everything else. Our our life was the same busy, hectic lifestyle it always was. But mm-hmm. I'm, I'm thinking about single people, uh, widows, uh, people yeah. that have lost loved ones. Caregivers. Yeah, all of that stuff mm-hmm. and people that mm-hmm. are stuck in retirement homes or nursing homes that couldn't leave they were they were sure. stuck there because mm-hmm. of the rules that were in place so with all of that said lydia any thoughts <laughs> yeah i mean i mean just mental health is such a multifaceted topic because yes i definitely think with the pandemic obviously it was really irritated. Like a lot of people who normally were out and about and did have community, all of a sudden they didn't. And so anytime we're in solidarity, like we're just alone or whatever, obviously it's going to trigger some of those things. But I also think it's just, it's a pretty big topic today because it just wasn't before. I mean, mental health Mm -hmm. issues have been around forever since the beginning of time. But, you know, we see it even in the Bible, we see it with David and Elijah and all kinds of Mm -hmm. different situations where there's anxiety or whatever. We just, I think sometimes we don't know how to talk about it. And so in the last, you know, I would say 10 years, it's become something where we're learning to talk about it. And some of that is healthy. Some of it is really important. Like it needs to be talked about, I think, especially in the church. Um, And then some of it, when you're talking about it, you know, without Jesus, it becomes an identity marker instead of something mm. that we're dealing with, you know? Yeah. And so I think, yeah, I mean, it's definitely, the pandemic definitely started up, but before that I was already dealing, you know, I've dealt with, with anxiety and, and panic attacks, things like that um, often on my whole life. So it wasn't new for mm-hmm. me when the pandemic happened, but obviously it did bring up a lot of those issues uh, to the forefront of everybody's mind. It's funny. Cause uh, my husband and I, we were just having a conversation over the weekend about mental health and how depression can creep in so subtly. And um, Mm. I was telling him how our first year in Florida, away from my family, 
in Texas, I mm-hmm. was I was depressed and I didn't even know it. Like looking back mm-hmm. and and in retrospect, it's like Aisha, you should have you should have talked to somebody or, or yeah. you know had some help or something. But I I had no idea that I was in a depressive state. And thank mm-hmm. God for Jesus, but. I mean, he gives us doctors, he gives us therapists and, yes, he does. <laughs> you know, so um, it's it's definitely important and it's something that needs to be addressed even more. I think there's a line Absolutely. between um, like that, that you cross, if you want to call it that, between mental health and mental illness. Right. Right. Because mental illness like that's that's not a. You know, that's a permanent thing. That's something that needs to be treated. Um, I've got a family mm-hmm. me- member who who has had mental illness or has mental illness, and it's being treated by medication, and, and everything's fine okay. once it's being treated. Um, the issue that I've seen from experience with mental illness specifically is that, you know, you treat it with medication, and then the recipient thinks, oh, I'm doing fine now, so I don't need the medication anymore. They go mm-hmm. off the medication, and they're back to where they started again. And it's just this, you know, this cycle that keeps going on over and over again. And I I think mm-hmm. from from a mental illness standpoint, I like I'm not a doctor or anything like that. I'm not a an expert or anything like that. But I right. I'm fairly certain that there's a lot of contributing factors to to mental illness uh, in everything from and I'll I'll just say this uh, back in 2018, cannabis was legalized in Canada, and you mm. can't you can't tell me that's not a contributing factor to mental illness and perhaps mental uh, health in general, uh, people mm-hmm. that become addicted to prescription drugs, illegal drugs, right. um, access to alcohol, even social media. Like, everybody loves social media, and I've said this to you, Aisha, I, I don't like social media, right? right I think right. That's, that's a standard people try to achieve because you see right. all the good things, and I don't think that's good for mental health. I honestly mm-hmm. don't. Um, mm-hmm. And what about, and I'm, not to throw a whole pile of stuff all, all out at once, Lydia, but just some of the things that, that we can argue, I guess, or talk about. Um, what about the fact that when you do have uh, mental health issues, very often there's medication that can help with that, right? I think there's medication mm-hmm. that can cause mental health issues, right? If, the, if mm-hmm. you've got side effects oh, from, sure. from any kind of meds out there, absolutely, I think it works the other way as well. So there's that because, you know, the medicine is so much more prevalent now than it was 20, 30, 40, 50 years sure ago. Is. Of course, there's <laughs> the genetic stuff, but there's also the the stuff that everybody goes through, like the higher expectations in in your job, at school, um, mm-hmm. more so like the peer pressure and all that stuff that perhaps wasn't as much or at least as prevalent uh, as it was, you know, many years ago and the trauma and everything else. So I, th- I think there's been stuff that's happened in our society that's made it more versus just the the fact that with media in general, people know mm-hmm. about it. But I think there's stuff that's caused it more so than that was 20, 30, 40 <laughs> years ago, agree. too, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I would say that, that again, I mean, that's so hard. I think it's one of those things where, it's, to me, it's not that black and white. Um, I, I do think that, yeah, nowadays, obviously, with social media as a factor, 100%. Social media is a massive mm-hmm. Uh, there's there's so many issues that can come from that. And it's kind of like, right. 
you know, it's kind of like you can't, as Christians, we can't throw out the baby with the bathwater. Like, it's like, yeah, sure. social media can be a horrible tool for comparison and feeling like we're not enough and all these things that do trigger anxiety and depression and, and all these things. But it can also be a platform for ministry. So it's kind of like sure. it, 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 it's both and, you know, I think as believers, we really have to hold our hands open and be like, OK, God, it's both and like it would be really easy to say, well, this is bad. You know, eating McDonald's makes me like get fat, so I'm never gonna eat McDonald's. Oh, okay, but <laughs> then maybe you have McDonald's. You know what I mean? Like it's kind of like but their fries thing, are like, so good. Just, yeah, exactly. The fries are so good. No, <laughs> you can't just throw out everything because we live in the world, right? Right. But we're not of the world, and so living right. in the world means we're going to be affected by brokenness. And I do think things have been um, aggravated more, maybe in this generation, because we do have such access to so much knowledge, and I don't think that the human brain is really meant for that. Like, I think, right. I think we're not supposed to be sitting here constantly imbibing everything and then holding it ourselves. You know, it's just overwhelming. Right. But I, I do think that as far as like mental health, we're just talking about something that's always going to need to be addressed and has since the beginning of time um, mm-hmm. in every generation, because there's always factors that are going to affect it. Now, then you, it doesn't mean that everybody's dealing with clinical illness, like clinical depression right. or something like that. Like, like I've had seasons in my life where I've uh, I've dealt with clinical depression. I'm I'm someone who does, uh, seasonal affective disorder. So when it starts to get cold, that's one of the reasons I hate the cold. When the, mm. when the fall and the winter comes, I start to feel this lack of sunshine and this lack of and and I get really I get down. Man, I just lose energy. Wow. I lose you know. And I I know for me specifically, you know, every situation is different. So I think it's it's not a one size fits all. I can't just sit here and be like. This is why we have these issues. Fix it. Right. No, it's right. Like we, we live in a broken world. There's sin in this world. That's going to affect all of us. Um, and we each are on our own journey. You know, people like me, I've had a few concussions in my life, and I think that's affected my mental, like sometimes my ability to get through depression, things like that. Um, mm-hmm. I do actually have to go to doctors and go to counselors to get help for that. And that's something growing up that I didn't feel freedom to do as a Christian mm. because I thought, I thought that meant I was like not having enough faith. And I think right, that right. too is like, it, it's both. And in the church, I wish we were open and giving people a safe space to right. talk about it and bear one another's burdens and use tools. But then as far as like the way the world handles it, it's also dangerous when you make a mental illness or a mental health, your identity. And you say, well, this is just who I am. Well, no, it's right. not like, so, so again, to me, it's the both and. It's always the mm-hmm. both and. That's yeah. so good. Yeah, that is good. I, I think uh, <laughs> you can point the finger at the church and say they're not doing enough. And part of that, too, is, you know, if, if you're a Christian, if you're a Christ follower um, and you have some issues, then God can heal you. And, yes, God right. can heal you. But I think what some people do is they just figure I'm healed and then they just let things go on. Um, mm-hmm. a, a good example is if you have um, some kind of, um, and I, I don't want to sound like I'm sacrilegious or anything like that, but um, if you have some kind of illness and you believe that God has healed you, it doesn't mean mm-hmm. you stop taking the medication. Exactly. Um, you, you need to verify right what it is. You need to verify that healing. Go see a doctor, go see a therapist or whatever else. You need to verify that you're actually healed versus you making the call and saying you're healed. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And I think that's a mistake some people make. But you know what? I I almost think that, you know, back to that whole social media thing, I think counselors and therapists should also be training people 
it sounds ridiculous, but training people how to use social media. And the example I'll give on yeah. that is, you know, there's algorithms on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram based on, on stuff that you've viewed. And like right, right now on my, if you watch the, if, if you click on the video feed on my Facebook as an example, it's mm-hmm. all pawn stars right now. You want to pawn something off? I, I've got every episode <laughs> on there because I just watched one of them, and now they're all popping up. And yep. and a month ago, it was Judge Judy, and all the Judge Judy episodes <laughs> coming up. And I'm thinking, and I'm thinking to myself, everybody's getting this on their feed. No, no, it's on my feed because no, yep. I clicked the one and watched the one. Now all these other ones are popping up, and it's the same thing. If there's things that you're watching on social media or looking at on social media, this algorithm you know, knows that and it's going to pull mm-hmm. other stuff. If you're going to be one of these people that thinks the world is ending and you watch stuff related to that, well, you know what? The world is going to continue ending. Yeah. You better know. Yeah, and exactly. so I think people need to understand that that stuff is not necessarily helpful. Um, I was right. getting tired of the Judge Judy, so I watched another video. Now i got all this other stuff popping up, you know? <laughs> so I think that's a For big me, thing, it's too. Properties and, and real estate. Right. And <laughs> yeah. I'm not getting that on my feed. Why not? You know, <laughs> right. <laughs> so I, I think that's a lot too. Um, people getting an understanding of how all that stuff works mm-hmm. and knowing mm-hmm. that it can't be helpful, yeah, necessarily, right? Yeah, and we have, to, I think too, like we have to take responsibility for ourselves for like, you know, it's always it's easy to look at the outside and look at all the things that are coming in and they're negative, but it's like, well, in my as me, this one person, what am I allowing into my own life and mind? You know, as a right. Christian, Scripture, scripture tells us what to dwell on, and it says, you know, right. whatever is pure, whatever is good, whatever is of, of good repute, like all these things, dwell on these things, because it teaches us that from the heart flows the wellspring of life, guard your heart above all else and all mm-hmm. these things, and yet we're, we're out here just like walking and chilling in the world, forgetting that it actually really matters what we what we ingest, what we put into our, our minds, and sure um, I'm grateful because I, I have met with counselors who, they're like, hey, like, you know, I'm an artist, so as an artist... I, it's easy to look to the right and the left and compare myself and feel like, man, my, what I'm doing is not enough, or maybe I, maybe I'm not good enough, or maybe, and every human feels that way, right? We just, it's easy, especially I think as women, oftentimes in today's culture, as of going, mm-hmm. man, I just don't measure up. And it's easy to do that, but nothing is wrong with going, well, why are you looking to the left or the right? Let's put some blinders on. And right. I've had I've had seasons in my life on social media where I just muted a lot of profiles. I just mute people, or I don't scroll or I delete the app off my phone and I just use it when sure. I need to post or whatever. But like social media in and of itself is not the culprit. It, it, it mean, it, yes, it can feed it and it can be unhealthy, right. but it, and I don't, I don't honestly love it either. If it went away, I'd probably love that. But, but I do think <laughs> it's like on, on a personal level, we have to take responsibility for our own sure. walks and say, okay, what am I going to allow into my mind, into my heart? Um, right. And how am I going to, you know, I, my sister, my oldest sister, she was like, she, I was struggling not to know, and I just called her. I think I was crying. I'm the most emotional human in the world. And I was like, <laughs> like I feel this way and this way and this way. And I don't know how to deal with all these feelings. And, and she goes, well, what are you focusing on during your days? And I was like, mm-hmm. what do you mean? She goes, mm-hmm. she goes, I want, she said, I want you to a reminder on your phone that just says Daniel. She said, you know, Daniel in the Bible three times a day, he got on his knees and he focused and he prayed and he remembered who was in control. She said, I, she goes, if you're, if you're looking at social media and at, at other things, entertainment stuff more than you are focusing on, on truth, she said, then it's going to overwhelm you. Lid. She said, I want you to set a reminder on your phone. So I did. So now three times a day, I just have a reminder that pops up and says, Daniel, 
which to anybody else would be like, what the heck does that mean? <laughs> but, but for me, it's like, okay, it's time to refocus. You know what it means. I'm not going to focus. Yeah. 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 And, I, and so again, I do think it's like, we can blame, you know, it's easy for me to blame stuff, but at the, at the bare minimum, I have to sit here and go, okay, I got to get back to the basics. What am I putting mm-hmm. in my heart? God's word. Yep. I need truth. And then when I'm filled, I'm able to go out and pour out on these platforms in a way that's beneficial for people around me. Right, right. Yes, that's great. And just the importance of us being proactive. And I'm reminded of a scripture in God's word. And he says, he will keep us in perfect peace whose minds are stayed on him because we trust in him. And you're right. Every bit of what you said is right. We have to do our part, you know, Mm got to put those blinders up and take action, do what's in our power to do. He said, after having done all to stand there for, and we have a responsibility and we have an obligation to God and to each other. Um, Mm. And I'm thankful for, for your story and you just not being ashamed to share that, you know, you've struggled in this area because so many people, they figure in the church, uh, you have this persona or this thing you have to uphold. Like, it's okay if you are struggling in an area. And that's why mm-hmm. God has given us resources and tools. And we have each other yes. and we have his word. And we just, we have to do what we have to do and do our part. Yeah, I like what Absolutely. you're saying about doing our part, like taking responsibility for your actions, mm-hmm. because it's so easy to point the finger. In this day and age, right. it's so easy to point the finger and say, I, I, it's this person's fault, or it's this right. uh, situation's fault, or again, what you were saying, Lydia, about social media, like it's it's not the cause of it, but it certainly will feed it, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and I do think, too, there's power, like in what you were saying, Aisha, like when we in the church, especially like, you know, I'm in Christian music, and I think it can be tempting to want to look like we have it all together and look right. like, man, I just, I'm a really good Christian. And it's like, first of all, what's a good Christian? Jesus died for us while we were sinners. Like the, the whole Bible, yep. you know, even Paul says in scripture, all of my righteousness is like rags to, to, to God. Yep. Like at the end of the day, there's no such thing as that. All we are is right. people who Jesus saved, you know? And I think that temptation is really the enemy telling us, Oh, oh, fake this, fake this, make it seem like you're right. all put together. And then in secret, you've got people with suicidal thoughts, you've got people depressed, you've got people yep. with addictions, you've got people self-harming, and they're afraid to come out into the light. And what the scripture teaches, that what's brought out of the darkness into the light, it loses mm-hmm. its, its power, right? So, right. And so I think that's, for me, mental health, you know, and that's just one thing of, of many in my ministry that I feel like I'm called to, but... For me, being able to see, you know, I had a show this weekend and I just stood on a stage to a group of teenage girls and told them like, yeah, I, I deal with depression, but I don't deal with mm-hmm. it alone. And if I dealt with it alone, that's when it would take over. Like, but it's exactly. convinced that we can get through anything if we know we're not alone. And that's what scripture right. teaches us. Jesus says, I'll never leave you or forsake you. He says, confess to one another. He says, bear one another's burdens. And, mm-hmm. and that's the thing is like, I wish... You know, growing up, I was so concerned with not, I didn't want to fail God. I didn't want to be a bad Christian and not have enough faith. And 
And mm-hmm, I, mm-hmm. I didn't realize the simple gospel that I couldn't fail him. He already, <laughs> he already died for everything that I would fail. And he loves me yeah. just as I am. And he wants to walk through those broken things with us with no condemnation and no shame. And when we act as if it's shameful and we just hide it, we're almost prisoners to those things, right. you know? And so I think, I think there is just so much power and beauty and realizing like redemption is, is happening and God is sanctifying and someday all things will be made new. But right now we're still walking the broken messy and it's right. better for us to walk in that with each other than to act like it's not there. Right. It, She's preaching. She's yeah. Yeah. Preaching. No, amen, and what, I'm, amen. what I'm thinking about Hallelujah. when you say that, Lydia, what I'm thinking about is, you know, this isn't uh, meant to um, slam the church and, and say bad things about the church. But quite frankly, if, if you're going to a church where everyone has it all together, you're probably in the wrong church. Exactly. Because <laughs> right? nobody oh, has it all gosh. together. Everybody's going through their own struggles and, and whatnot. And, you know, depression, anxiety, panic attacks, all of that is is part of it as well, right? Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the the thing is, it's not our identity. I think that's one thing just to realize. It's like, you know, right now, you know, there's TikTok and all these teenagers right now are on TikTok. And and I'm on there. I mean, I'm an artist. I have to be on all these platforms. And I've seen how a lot of these people, they're just learning about mental health and about uh, mental illness. And obviously, these things are real. But but everyone all of a sudden is starting to think it's popular to, to say they have something like uh, in the younger generation, like Gen Z. And um, yeah. it's, it's really interesting. Yeah. Like it's like a fad right now. Well, yeah. and it's a little dangerous because what if you don't and then somebody else does? And then it's like, you know, what I mean, it's like the boy who cried yeah. wolf. Like you don't really know how do we deal with these things? And so I think it's important for for people to realize, like, yes, I struggle with this. It's not who right. I am. Like I, I right. talk about it with almost everyone because I, it's something the Lord's allowed me to speak about, but, but it's not who I am. And, and when I feel mm-hmm. like, oh, you know, I'm just like, I don't identify with anything except Christ. You can't. Yes, we have struggles. We don't identify with those things. They're not us, you know? Right. And I do think that's tempting to do sometimes is like, well, this is just, I'm this way. Sorry. And it's like, no, <laughs> yeah, you're struggling with that. And I'm so sorry. And I'm going to deal with it with you, but it's not who you are for so much right you know and satan really wants to corner us into this place of like oh here's your here's your stickers this is who you are that's it you know and that's that's just not true it's interesting you said that about you know it almost being a fad um because i've seen that as well it's almost like if you don't have depression if you don't have anxiety if you don't have panic attacks if you don't have any kind of mental health issues then Mm -hmm. it's not the norm right Hmm. right yeah yeah, I think, again, we're the social media thing. TikTok is a really weird, weird platform. And, like, what's happening is huge, like, the next generation, all these trends are starting there where literally it's right. like, it, it's not just, like we were talking about earlier, you only see the videos that you like. Yes, so there's algorithms like that for TikTok, too, except it kind of seems like this next generation, they're all kind of seeing the same thing. And, and it's, mm-hmm. it's a ripple effect. Like, when I'm going to speak or going to lead worship or, or share my, my stuff for, for the younger generation, I'm like sitting here and going, oh, okay, y'all are all dealing with the same things. And it's because you have this platform that's talking about it. It's kind mm-hmm. of weird. And, and like, again, it can be used for good. But I also think this is where you get back to the basics and you say, look, it starts in the home. What are families teaching their kids? What are, you know, right. I'm so grateful for my parents. It didn't matter what I face in the world or on social media. I had a home where they were teaching me God's word and they were teaching me who I was in Christ, mm-hmm. you know? And so I think like we, we can't 
yeah, it's, it is kind of weird that it's a fad right now. I think we can't just disregard it because it's something that you don't, that's not, even if you make a mistake, it's important to take those things seriously. But at the same time, really teaching in the home that this is not your identity, you know? Right. And taking responsibility. Sure enough. Because cause I think people kind of mope and, and uh, wallow in their sorrows on on why life is terrible. And, and sometimes I feel like <laughs> just slapping them and say, get it together, you know, do something, you know, do something about it. Like if you're just going right. to be sorry for yourself the whole time, then, you know, there's nobody that can do anything really for you. Um, and I'm not I'm, I'm not trying to downplay any of this stuff because I understand right, that right. when you are depressed and stuff that sometimes it's hard to get out of that hole. Right. But sure. but but yeah. you need to take that first step to get out of that hole if you really want to be, uh, you know, out of that situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and sometimes like there's some personalities that need a, a good kick in the rear and say, right. get out. And there's some personalities like me who like, if I'm really in a depressive episode and I just can't get out of bed, like I can't function, um, I need somebody to come in there and, and sit with me and say, Hey, I, I know this is what's going on. It's just a moment. Yeah. It's just right now. It's going to pass. This is not forever. Mm-hmm. It's just in this season. And let's, let's go do something. And, you know, I, I'm blessed to have community um, friends and family who like, in seasons where I've, I've really battled, I've really battled. I've, I've called and said, Hey, I'm, I'm not doing well. Um, I need y'all to check in on me and they, yeah. did, and they would, you know, and, and I've, I've got siblings and sisters who who would fly here in, to be with me if they needed to. And that sounds really bad mm. because like I, I do have tools and I, I will say like, I'm at a place in my journey where I have a counselor. I have, a community i have things in place that you need in place if you know you battle this just like if you battle an addiction sure. or something else you have to have things in place to fight those things but at the same time for people who don't it, it's kind of like this if you've never walked through something you've never been in those shoes you can't really look at that person and say this is what you should do because you don't know what it feels like and so it's right. just like i've never lost a, i've never had a child lost a child right i can't look at somebody and be like oh I know exactly how that feels if you lost that kid or I know exactly how it feels that you're going through cancer or no but 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 when they are grieving they go to people who understand what they're going through and it's the same with depression and stuff like that it's easy to say we know the answer but it's it's not a one-size-fits-all like sometimes sometimes they need somebody to kind of kick them in the butt sometimes they need someone to sit with them sometimes (laughs) it's just my, my sister always tells me, just get up today and do something different that you don't normally do. And it always helps me. Like, I'll, I'll get up. I'm like, okay, what's the next right thing? She always says, do the next right thing. Mm-hmm. What's the next right thing? I'm going to brush my teeth. I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to go outside, and I'm going to try to serve somebody. And right. and God, step by step, God helps me through. But to, to anyone listening, I do want to say, you know, one of the greatest preachers of all time years and years ago was a guy named Charles Spurgeon. And this was probably before they really had medication or anything like that for for mental health stuff. But he battled seriously with depression his whole Mm -hmm. life, like horribly, horribly, horribly. And yet God used him in ways that were so great. And so I just I just want to encourage that even when we do deal with those things, sometimes we can feel like we're insignificant or something's wrong with us. No, oftentimes the people who have endured and walked through the heaviest sorrow are the ones God can use in ways to help other people in ways that others couldn't. Just like David. David was like that, you know? And I just think, um, I think it's actually, it's like our brokenness is oftentimes our power if we just just see it the right way. 
Sure. I was just going to ask you about um, your song, I'll Be Okay, if it came out of a particular experience or uh, season in your life. Like, where did where did it come from? I'll be okay. Yeah, I had. So it was a lot of things at once. I had moved to mm. Nashville, Tennessee from Texas um, and left my entire family. It was the first time I'd ever left home. <laughs> and I was I was very it's very when you grow up with nine brothers and sisters and a very close wow. family to be alone in a new state yeah. facing new things that alone is scary but i also in that moment had just dated a guy for a year and he had just completely broken my heart um did not end up being who i thought he was and, and i was very naive and and so it was just all these things at once and on top of that it was fall and winter and i was dealing with like severe depression and I remember mm. all those all those different aspects were just kind of like crushing me I was just feeling lonely I was feeling confused where am I supposed to be going in life God I don't I don't see a light at the end of the tunnel what what is the point and that's that's where I was and I remember uh, a, a new friend in Nashville had invited me to a birthday party and everyone was around in this house they were all having this party and I could not I mean if you've ever dealt with depression you just kind of feel numb. You just stand there and you're like trying to be happy and smile and make people, you know, but you just can't. Right. Like I just couldn't. I was standing there and I had no energy to be a part of it. And I remember looking at the party and thinking, I got to, I got to step out. And so I walked down my, this house, the hallway and I saw a music room and it was private. Hmm. Nobody was in there. And I, I remember I just went in there, shut the door, sat at the piano and just kind of put my head in my hands. And I said, God, I can't keep doing this. I can't go on. Like, I just don't, mm. I am so alone. I don't see the point of life right now. Like I, I literally felt, and it's so crazy because when you have that capacity to feel, even though there may be good, you're so surrounded and so weighed down by all the bad that it, it can feel like this is going to be a forever feeling, but it never is, right. you know, it never is. But in that moment, that's how I felt. And I, crazy enough the way I deal with a lot of my, like needing to get my emotions out is I just write or I pray or whatever. So, I sat there at that piano at that party with everyone else in the other room and I just started writing that first verse, give me peace when I am tossed and frightened, lost among mm. the waves. Give me give me hope when I'm in doubt and fears are clouding up my face. And I remember feeling every word and I was praying. I was saying, God, I don't see you in this storm. I, I'm not okay mm -hmm. right now. I need you to tell me I will be someday. And that's, that was literally where that song was born. Wow. Um, one of your previous... Uh, statements, Lydia, which which I think is really important as well. You mentioned you would get up and do the next right thing, brush your teeth, uh, read the Bible, and then you made the comment, go out there and serve someone. And yeah. I and mm -hmm. I think that's an important statement because um, it's when you're going through depression, when you're going through anxiety and these panic attacks and any kind of mental All health issue. You. It's yeah. It's all about it's all about me, right? It's all about mm -hmm. me. Mm -hmm. But when you start thinking about others and doing stuff for them, like mm -hmm. buying somebody a coffee, going to the coffee shop, and there's a guy mm -hmm. behind you in line. Hey, let me buy you a coffee. You know, just right. that makes you feel good, right? Right. Just little things right. like that. Yeah, absolutely. My mama taught me that. She always taught like if you if you're feeling overwhelmed and like you you, you know what happens, it's like you get a myopic view. Like you see, but it's just small. You can only see what what's right in front of you. But when you start looking around and going, how can I serve somebody else? You're mm -hmm. able to see a broader view of life. You know what I mean? And and m mom has this um, sign hanging in her kitchen that says like, oh, being grateful for what you have makes it enough. And so the way she deals with mm. things is she'll just make a list of everything she's thankful for throughout the day. 
And she's always like, hey, if you focus on the good, if you focus on serving others and yeah. being grateful for what you have, it'll turn things around. And it, it can be hard to do that. But sometimes, man, just like you said, going to Starbucks and going, okay, I'm going to pay for this person's drink behind me, or I'm going to, I'm going to do, you know, or even like just looking, if you stop like looking at your own life and you start looking out and saying, mm-hmm. God, give me somebody to share the gospel with, give me somebody to help today. He does it because we're surrounded by broken people. We're surrounded by people hurting just like us. And that's, right. yeah, there's power in that. There really is. Can I just uh, ask you, and this is completely unrelated now, but it, it, it it's related to the fact that you're talking about your mom and your siblings and stuff. So, Nine brothers and sisters. Um, I'm I'm shaking my head wow. here because because <laughs> I grew up in a family of four kids and and I thought that was a big family, right? Like I'm mm-hmm. you got friends and friends in church and and at school that you know just a couple of kids in their family that was it. So like four was considered big. So I, I guess with nine brothers and sisters, number one, did you have to share a room? <laughs> and, oh, yeah. And number two, uh, how did you guys determine who got the window seat? Uh, when you're in your vehicle, like that, these are two really, really important questions. Wait, and I, I have a third one too. Where are you in the bunch? Yeah, because okay, that would be a so, determining factor on some of those other questions. <laughs> <laughs> That's so true, actually. Um, so I'm number, I'm number seven. So wow. and the bedroom thing, I didn't have my own room till I was sixteen. So I think, I think before that, at one point. So we were missionaries in Romania for a couple of years. And at one point, wow. six of us girls shared a bedroom because in Romania, we had a very small house and uh, we had two bunk beds and two trundles where you'd like roll them out from under the bunk oh bed. Oh my gosh, and I slept yes. on a trundle. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, window seat, I don't even think that was a thing. I think it was like mom would just say, everybody get in the car and you just piled in. And wherever you ended up, you ended up. <laughs> it was it was quite uh, it was a different way to grow up, and I love it. I would not trade it for anything. But yeah, I mean, I I didn't have my own room until I was sixteen, and even I was like lonely. I remember I was like, oh, I don't live. My sister's not here anymore. <laughs> like, oh wow! So imagine imagine growing up that way and then leaving the state and being mm-hmm. like, wow, this is weird. <laughs> my wife wow. comes from a family where. Uh, there are, I've lost track, but seven or eight of them, and she's the only girl, and she's the youngest. Ooh, oh, my gosh. And so when I when we were going out, I mean, I found that to be really stressful for myself, knowing that she's got all these <laughs> older brothers looking out for her. Yeah, uh, seriously, stressful. Did any of them have side conversations with you? Um, well, they they looked at me, and they analyzed me a lot and, and questioned things. And so when we got married, it was... It was um, nerve-wracking is what it was was an interesting scenario so yeah given the fact that you're you're seventh of ten and so uh do you have an older sister or are they all guys that are older than you no so it's just hilarious the two oldest are boys and then we have seven girls in a row and then we have a wow so so (laughs) it's kind of the flip side for us like my baby brother Anytime he's he's not married yet, and anytime he has dated a girl, I think they've been so stressed out because he's got seven older sisters, and we all hang out, and right. so it's like 
he'll, he'll bring them home and there's like seven women who are just like watching her and like uh. assessing if we think she's good enough for him. Wow, poor guy. <laughs> so poor I, guy. I, yeah, yeah, I feel for him. <laughs> and poor girlfriend too. Like really, she doesn't need I mean, that. You, ha- you have to be real confident to date our little brother because yeah. you're going to have to oh, deal with a lot. <laughs> Um, wow. Before we go, uh, we we do really have to talk a little bit about m- your music. You've been um, writing and doing music since a very young age, and you've also done so. So maybe you can share a little bit about when you started and what kind of you know got you interested. You know, is it a family thing? Is it, a, is it a, are you from a musical family? But also interested a little bit about co-writing because you do some co-writes as well, don't you? I do. Yeah, my family is musical. We we all sing. We're like kind of like the Sound of Music family. I always make fun nice. of us because, like, if we get together, we can all just start singing. <laughs> love that. <laughs> but, uh, love when we that. Were yeah. I know. When we were missionaries Dude. overseas, that oh, was kind of how we raised support. Is we would go church to church and we would sing as a family, and and that was a big part of like our ministry. So I always grew up with with music and ministry going hand in hand. Um, but I started writing at a very young age. I was I was nine when I wrote my first song, which is like a joke, honestly, because it's terrible but but I, I hear nine, you and it was <laughs> yeah it was it was I wrote it because my mom had had miscarried and I no. remember being so sad you know she had never miscarried before we we obviously had a lot of kids we loved kids family and and I was just little but trying to comprehend that I wasn't going to be able to meet my baby brother was was hard and so it it, be, it started out as like a form of therapy like I remember sitting on a tire thing and just I was I had watched my older siblings write songs. I had seen them deal with their emotions by getting it out on paper, and that's what I did. And so kind of from then on, I would say, even when I was younger and dealing with some of my mental health battles and not really understanding what I was dealing with, uh, writing, songwriting was how I, I, I comprehended it. It was kind of like God's gift to me to, you know, even counselors will tell you journal, like journal when you're overwhelmed. Right. And that's what I did. I just wrote, I wrote out everything I, I felt. And, and uh, when I moved to Nashville, I wasn't, I was I was always thinking in a missionary mindset. I, I thought I wanted to be in secular music and try to be a missionary in the entertainment world. And <laughs> I wasn't 100% sure how I was going to go. Um, and, and to this day, I still do a little bit of both. But I just kept writing and following where the songs led me. And I'll Be Okay um, was kind of that, that song that really kind of got me a record deal, got me into this place where I was doing music full time uh, right before the pandemic. And... Um, but yes, I, since moving to Nashville, I love writing with other people. I write with others all the time. I had not done that before living here. Um, mm. and there's still something special about when you, when you write songs that are very much heart songs, it's still special to do just a you and God thing where you, you just get it out on paper and, and that's your song, you know, but, right. but there is, um, there is some power, especially there's a lot of anointed writers, I think in Nashville who God has just gifted and. You sit in a room with them, and and magic happens. Sure, we need to get together. Yes, ma'am. But I'm coming here because it's too cold here. Come on. And I'd like just to be the fly on the wall, just to listen in and and you know contribute whatever whatever little knowledge I have. You know, not uh, I'll I'll never pro- perhaps be a songwriter, but um, I'll hey, sing. You never know. I'll sing harmonies. I can sing. Come on. So yeah, I'll sing the harmonies. Perfect. I'll sing backup vocals and stuff. I don't even need credits. You can just you know. Whatever, yeah. There you go. Amazing. Uh, Lydia, thanks so much for uh, hanging with us. I was not knowing uh, what to expect in this conversation, but we never do. 
And I really appreciate so you great. sharing your heart and and talking a little bit about your music, but but even all the other stuff we talked about. So I really appreciate your time. Yes, I love this. You guys are awesome. I seriously appreciate y'all having me. Take care. All right. Bye. All right. Bye, y'all. I'm almost speechless, which is unheard of for a radio guy. Um, what <laughs> really? a what a fascinating conversation. Yeah, I enjoyed it very much. So. Yeah, that, again, not knowing where where we were going, um, which is often the case when we're mm-hmm. chatting with people on between the grooves. And I like the fact it's a lot of times when we're you know the background stuff before we come up with an episode, we're we're arranging guests. Very often we'll have right. people come to us say, "Hey, we'd love to be on your show," or mm-hmm. we will approach people say, "Hey, we'd like to have a chat with you." on Between the yeah. Grooves. And one of the things that we've been very um, open about is is this is not an interview. This is not a, right. you know, we're asking questions. This is a conversation. And that was truly a, a great, candid conversation to see, mm-hmm. you know, to see what uh, Lydia was all about, hear her heart and hear her background. And, and really all that stuff that she's gone through is is in her music. Yeah, it was, it was real sweet. And um, I'm looking forward to hearing her speak sometime like i i go to a conference or something just to hear her minister or sing with her <laughs> yeah be honest be honest <laughs> yeah we we should be able to make something happen so if you want to learn more about Lydia Laird, go to her website lydialaird.com that's l y d i a l a i r d .com. You can find out everything that she's up to, her music, events, as well as social media. Right. And it's time for some artist advice. Today, 2021 Juno winner, Shauna Kane. So I would say definitely to know why you're doing the music and allow that to guide you in every step. So even before starting, really know why you're doing it and what the purpose of it is for specifically you. Because for me, my purpose is to speak life. My purpose is to speak life into music and that's why I do music and I know that is the case. So every song I do, it's going to be speaking life. And if someone's purpose is to bring healing to people, like every, everything you do is to bring healing and, and speaking life is all in that as well. So just know why you're doing it and always never hold on to the fear of loss or the fear of man over the fear of God because it's very easy to go into this industry and have the fear of man and be like, I don't want them to um, look at me a certain way or if I don't do this, they're gonna put me down. Just always have the fear of God as number one. Knowing why, knowing your purpose, uh, all stuff that perhaps we've heard before, uh, that part is nothing new. Uh, but I was uh, very intrigued to hear about her talking about speaking life and relating yes. that back to our conversation with Lydia, uh, because Lydia's music is very much um, encouragement, um, especially given, you know, we were talking about her song, I'll Be Okay, and and mm-hmm. where that came mm-hmm. from, right? And uh, the fact that she's an advocate for, you know, mental health and that sort of stuff. So I think it relates in that sense. From an artist's yeah, point sure. of view, and and what is your focus like? Who who's your audience? Who are you gearing towards? Other than God, obviously, right? But but mm-hmm, who are you right. trying to get the message out to? And and mm-hmm. sticking with that purpose, knowing your purpose. Mm-hmm. And she said, you know, having and maintaining a fear of God, and fear not in being afraid, but fear in 
having reverence and, and a respect for God. I think so many of us over the years have lost their fear for God mm-hmm. and they do things without um, considering consequences or, you know, things with their actions taken. Well, Justine is rolling the music, so um, we are out of time. It's time for us to go. But listen, thanks for tuning in. Uh, appreciate uh, all of our subscribers and uh, people that listen to Between the Grooves. If you're not following us, please do so. We'd love to let you know when new episodes are dropping. You can uh, follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks for listening to Faith Strong Today's Between the Grooves podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, would you consider sharing it with your friends, rating our podcast, or giving us some love on your socials to your amazing friends and followers will only help us reach more people. We'd also love to hear from you and share your feedback in an upcoming episode. Send your video or written message to Aisha and James on Facebook and Twitter at Between Grooves or email us anytime. Hello at faithstrongtoday.com. 